0: Welcome into the Rebound Rundown. Today is Friday, December 16th, 2022. I'm your host Paul Fritschner and this is produced by Chatterbox Sports. This is your daily digest college basketball show where you can get your info on Cincinnati area college hoops every Monday through Friday in short episodes. Happy Friday everybody. No games last night. So I had a conversation with Fox Sports broadcaster John Fanta, who has covered the Big East for years. With Big East conference play really kicking into gear this weekend, I asked John for around one minute on every Big East team. On the other side of this interview, I'll give you a weekend preview and get you on your way. Enjoy. Welcome on now the King of the Big East, John Fanta, for a quick rundown of the Big East Conference before conference play gets started tonight on Friday evening. Xavier taking on Georgetown in the district. We've talked a lot about Xavier already on this show this year, but I want to get one minute on each of the other 10 Big East teams. We're going to start from the bottom up on Ken Palm, and we'll start, John, with the Georgetown Hoyas. Welcome to the rebound rundown, John. It is great to be on
1: the Rebound Rundown for the first time, Dr. Frischner. Thank you for having me. Let's give a prognosis on the Big East, and we do begin with Georgetown. Here's the deal. It's been a tough year, again, for the Hoyas. Paul, they just don't know how to win. That's what comes to mind when you watch them play. They've got some talent, more talent than they had last year. Primo Spears, Jay Heath, the LSU transfer, Brandon Murray – Patrick Ewing brought in Kevin Nickelberry to acquire talent. They brought that in. The fact is Kudus Wahab is a shell of what he was two years ago when he was with the Hoyas and they won the big East tournament. It's a quality offensive team in terms of the fact that they could score and they have different ways in which they can score the basketball, but not a very good late game execution team and just not good enough defensively. I I will tell you this, the Hoyas are going to win a couple of Big East games, or so I feel that way, because they do have the talent level. And you know it, when you're in the grind of conference play on any given day in the Big East, somebody can pick off the other. And sometimes the past couple of years, we've looked at Georgetown and said, how are they in this game? That's kind of what I see with this team. But I think for the Hoyas, they're in a a situation here, identity-wise, where they're going to have some reevaluating to do.
0: The Butler Bulldogs under a new head coach, somebody who's been around the program before, Thad Mata.
1: Well, Thad Mata's team has gotten steadily better as the season's gone on. Butler has won five of their last six games. Butler has a man inside in Manny Bates. If you were stuck in a dark alley and you needed somebody to help you in a fight, Manny Bates would be the guy in the Big East I would pick. The fact is this. Butler had talented players in their backcourt. Chuck Harris – CMOS Lukosius are a duo that has really had success this season. And I thought the addition of Eric Hunter Jr. was big for Mata and Butler. Hunter comes from Purdue. He's from Indianapolis. He's been comfortable. Butler's got the backcourt pieces. And Jaden Taylor is the breakout player in the Big East to keep an eye on. He's a sophomore who stretches the floor for them. So Butler hasn't even been fully healthy. They're still down a couple of guys, but here's what you know about the Bulldogs. They've made progress as the season's gone on. Their offensive efficiency's been better. And, Paul, the last couple of years, Butler was soft, and they were soft on the interior. You can no longer say that with Manny Bates. I think the dogs could could get to the bubble conversation and be hanging around the NCAA tournament picture because no terrible blemishes and some opportunities knocking. And we both know how hard Hinkle Fieldhouse
0: is to get a win in. I'm with you, John. Butler and Marquette were my picks before the season to surprise some people, and Butler for sure has the ability to get there, especially under Dad Mata. All right, the reigning Big East champions, Providence Friars. A team that hasn't
1: fully figured out who it is yet. So, Ed Cooley's had those groups before. Remember 2019-20? Here's your stat of this podcast. This is why what you're doing is awesome, because we can give people something that they probably haven't heard. In 2019, when the first net report came out, Providence was 146 in the net. They had a couple of awful losses, worse than this season. They lost to Long Beach State out in California. They looked, things looked bleak. Providence ended up being the surprise team in the country in January and February. They went from 146 in the net to catapulting their way to, they were on their way to the NCAA tournament had COVID not stopped the season. This year, the first net report came out. They were 145. So for all those already counting out at Cooley's team, I say do not do that. Bryce Hopkins is one of the stars of the Big East. He hasn't even fully realized it yet. Kentucky transfer, Paul, I'm telling you, folks, if you haven't watched Hopkins, he's a different level athlete. The key for Providence is simple, backcourt consistency. Jared Bynum is being asked to go from the sixth man for the Friars to the top man. He hasn't been up to speed there. He has not showed that he can be the alpha. I really like Devin Carter, the South Carolina transfer. I've been impressed by Carter. I think for the Friars, they're a, a decent team. Can they pick off the right teams and do enough in conference play, or will it be too little too late? Those are the key questions. But to me, Ed Croswell and Jared Bynum were good complementary pieces. It's really hard to go from complementary to being the main guys. And I think that's been the, the tough thing for the Friars
0: thus far. DePaul, John, are the Demons back?
1: Well... To be back, you would have had to arrive. (laughs) Having said this, uh, I think that they could arrive. I think that they could arrive. In terms of, I think they're going to be a team that can pick off others in the Big East that you wouldn't expect. And here's why. Javon Johnson is a grown man. He's 23 years of age. He's scoring the basketball at a tremendous rate. Umoja Gibson transferred into the Blue Demons program from Oklahoma. He's scoring the ball. The, the blow to Nick Ongenda, the injury to Ongenda, brutal for DePaul. But I really like Caleb Murphy, the USF transfer. They're high on him. When he gets healthy, look out. And Erol Penn has been a surprise, the LIU transfer. They're trying to piece this together. DePaul, like Georgetown, DePaul can score the ball. The thing with the Blue Demons is can they get enough stops? Another team, though, remember how many games they were in last year and they just couldn't finish? The question for DePaul is going to be the same until they show us otherwise. Do they know how to close in the gauntlet of the Big East? John,
0: you're all mater, Seton Hall Pirates.
1: The Seton Hall Pirates found their identity on Sunday in the win at Rutgers. They needed that game in the worst of ways because, Paul, your season's going in one direction and it wasn't a good one. Their identity is defense. They're a top 35 Ken Palm defensive team. Half of their games, Paul. Half of the Pirates' 10 games, and they've played a tough schedule, they've allowed 55 points or less. They are a connected defensive team. The problem is, unlike Jared Roden, unlike Sandro Mamou-Kelashvili, unlike Miles Powell, we could go down the line, this team doesn't have the bucket-getting offensive player to will them to buckets and to will them to a victory. Toughness is still present, but can they find enough offense? They're going to have to do it in different ways. They need Kadari Richmond to stay on the right track. Casey Nadefo, to me, is one of the most underrated players in America. He's the country's active blocks leader. He's, he's the nation's active blocks leader, folks. To me, there's two things with Seton Hall. They lack a true five-man, at least until Alexis Yetna comes back. And the other thing is perimeter shooting. Jameer Harris, Alamir Dawes, Trey Jackson and company have got to be better from the perimeter. My ex-factor to the team is Dre Davis, the Louisville transfer was in double figures in the win at Rutgers, I think he's going to keep coming on.
0: The Villanova Wildcats are 5-5 and right now. They had a four-game losing streak at one point this season already, losing all three games out in Portland. But now they've won three in a row with a win over Oklahoma mixed in there under first-year head coach Kyle Neptune. Top-five team in the Big East. They will be a top-five team in the conference
1: standings when it's all said and done. That's my theory on Villanova because Cam Whitmore is the best one-and-done prospect and the first one-and-done prospect that this program has had since Tim Thomas in 1997. Cam Whitmore is different. His length and athleticism is off the charts. He makes things happen Paul Frischner and has entered the scene, and you covered Villanova in Portland. You covered Villanova in Portland, so you saw, you saw what Villanova was. They did not have an offensive alpha. Whitmore is doing what they're trying, what they hope they would get from Justin Moore. The other key question of Big East play is the single biggest question. When is Justin Moore coming back? And when he does come back, how close will he be to the Justin Moore we've gotten used to seeing? But for Villanova, Caleb Daniels, Eric Dixon, and Brandon Slater, they couldn't do it all. All right, good players, but they couldn't do it all. Whitmore gives them a different dimension. And I think the Wildcats will be better for the schedule they played tough early. Look out for them. Top five team in the Big East. The question is, will it be enough to get a bid on Selection Sunday? That's a bigger question.
0: And speaking of bids on Selection Sunday, uh, Mike Anderson's St. John's Red Storm sitting at 10-1 and 1 right now with a conference opening win over DePaul. John, the Red Storm have some surprised some people. The St. John's Red Storm are the most compelling
1: team in the Big East because they haven't gone to the NCAA tournament under Anderson and because they have enough talent to get there this season. The fact of the matter is this. Andre Corbello and Posh Alexander are a really intriguing guard duo that can make things happen, but as much as they can make things happen, Paul, things can go the other way as well. So as explosive as they can be, as implosive as things can get, can they find a happy medium? Can they achieve a happy medium? And then with St. John's, there's a couple of other things, right? David Jones was a quality, a quality addition via the transfer portal from DePaul. To me, the most improved player in the Big East is Joel Soriano in the paint. The difference with this St. John's team, as opposed to other Mike Anderson teams, is this team can actually rebound the ball. This team can make things happen in the paint. You know why? Soriano is big time. He's a physical player who invested in his body and his game over the offseason. For the Johnnies, the question is simple. Can they get enough perimeter looks that are quality looks? And can they make enough of them? When St. John's gets stuck in a half-court game, they really struggle. You don't want to play tempo with them. They rebound, they're rebound; they rebounding the ball better. But to me, Pasha Alexander's got to make more shots. He has not been himself offensively. He's got to at least present that he can be a threat in terms of making
0: shots. Marquette started the season 76th on Ken Palm. They're now up to 31 They sit at 8-3 with a 26-point win over Baylor on their resume so far. Marquette Golden Eagles, John, they're looking good. One of the five biggest surprises in college basketball nationally
1: is the Marquette Golden Eagles. If you saw this coming, please give us the winning lottery numbers tonight because they lost (laughs) Justin Lewis. And, Paul, I was wondering watching them in the preseason, man, I know they play hard, but how are they going to score the ball? How is this team going to score the ball effectively? They lost Lewis. They've got backcourt players, but the fact is, Tyler Kolick and Cam Jones are a little bit undersized, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Well, well, Marquette's averaging 82 points per game. You know why? They have versatile, mobile sides Because between David Joplin, Oso Iguodaro, and Omax Prosper, their versatility... And ability to screen and do different actions has given Marquette a really interesting offense and an offense that's difficult to defend. Marquette's been efficient offensively. Like I said, they're they're averaging over 82 points per game. Paul, they're shooting almost 50% from the (laughs) field as a team. Yeah. That's shocking. That's stunning. So Kolick and Jones are one of, if not the best, duos. In the Big East, in the backcourt right now. They've played that well, but I don't think a lot of people think of them in that light. But Jones is a bucket, Paul. I mean, yeah. Cam Jones has some Kamar Bal- Cam Jones has some Camar Baldwin in him. He's yeah. a killer. And Marquette's a tournament team. Marquette is gonna go dancing after being picked ninth in the Big East.
0: Well, Creighton, they were picked first in the Big East. They were picked to win the conference. They started the season 6-0, but since then have lost five straight games. Their offense has looked just out of flow, John. They, of course, did have that injury to Ryan Kalkbrenner, and that certainly didn't help coming off that loss to Arizona State. But now they go to Marquette tonight. If they don't win in Milwaukee tonight, that means they will have gone one month in-between wins since their last win on November 22nd against Arkansas. John, your thoughts on Creighton?
1: As surprising as Marquette has been for the good, is as surprised as we all are at Creighton for the bad. The fact is this, we did not think that the Blue Jays, nobody could have ever seen this team losing five in a row with or without Ryan Kulkbrunner. It's not just as simple as they're down Ryan Kaltbrenner, so that provides an excuse. You lost to BYU, who I, I don't think is particularly as good as other Mark Pope teams. Then you lose to Arizona State, who's having a nice year. But but Creighton just doesn't look like themselves. And it's not just Kaltbrenner, Paul. What, what were some of the shot selections down the stretch in their recent games? What? What are you doing offensively? That's not Greg McDermott's offense. It's not what Creighton prides themselves on. They pride themselves on being the team that does close, that does have late game execution. You know what I sense with Creighton? I sense some egos. I sense some guys who believe they could be NBA players. And the fact is this. These guys have got to come together and say, you know what? Let's sacrifice whatever's ahead for us for the team. And I think it can happen. Because if you come together as a team, you're going to get all the things you want as an individual. Our Kaluma can be a dangerous mismatch. He's got to be that every game. Right now, does it not feel like if Ryan Nemhart's good, Trey Alexander's not? And then if, when Trey Alexander's good, Ryan Nemhart's not? They're just not playing complimentary basketball. When's that going to click? I'm not sure. Here's what I do know. Every time Creighton and Marquette meet, something crazy happens. So tonight's game will be wild. Could Creighton get their season back on track? They could, but it's a really, really tall order. The fact is the Blue Jays have got to take better shots. It's not just about three-point shooting. It's what kind of shots are you getting. And as of late, I don't think they're getting good enough shots.
0: The Connecticut Huskies are number one on Ken Palm. They are third in the AP poll. But, John, I saw them in Portland. And between Donovan Klingon, Adama Sanogo, all of the wing play that they have, it just doesn't seem like this Huskies team has many holes. Dan Early and company have it rolling.
1: They have it rolling. Adama Sonogo and Donovan Klingon are as good of a one two punch in a front court that you're going to find in America. And they don't play together. At least we haven't seen a ton of that. You know why? It gives Sonogo a chance to breathe and a chance to relax. And Paul, last year, if you noticed that by the end of the season, Sonobo was huffing and puffing. He was worn out. That's not going to happen this year. Donovan Klingon has been perhaps the biggest revelation of any freshman in the country. Alex Caravan is beyond his years. I love the rotation on his shot. I love the way he plays. Sometimes you got to luck out with freshmen, okay? Meaning you could talk about how good they are, okay? Desmond Claude's a great player for Xavier, but he's got to learn something. He's just a freshman. He's going to go through some growing pains. It's life being a freshman. Danny Hurley couldn't have seen this coming from Caravan and Klingon this fast, this this soon. Andre Jackson, to me, Andre Jackson is the most valuable player on a team in the Big East. I know some people would scoff at me and say, are you kidding? Paulie, he does every little thing you could ask for. And Jordan Hawkins has evolved as a shooter He's a knockdown shooter. He's the best shooter that this program's had in years. The key for UConn is simple. Handling a target on your back because you can't let this all get to you, and we've seen it get to teams before where they peak too early. And two, point guard play. Can Tristan Newton continue to embrace his role of not being the primary scorer but of being a distributor? Same thing goes for Hassan Diara and Naheem Lee. UConn, though, if they keep this up, They're going to win 17 Big East games, if not 18 Big East games. They're that good, and in stores, the dream of a national championship is alive and well and deserved.
0: Well, John, I appreciate it. Let's wrap up with one quick thought on the Musketeers.
1: I like the way they're progressing. I think they could be a second
0: weekend team in the NCAA tournament
1: if they find a defensive identity. Xavier has shown signs of it, has shown signs of it. The way they won the West Virginia game, that was that was the Xavier edge that felt vintage. You beat Cincinnati; it wasn't always pretty, but you find a way. Xavier made the best transfer portal addition in the conference and maybe the country when it comes to guards. Sule Boom has been that good. Nobody could have seen Sule Boom being incredible. I thought he'd be a good player. I don't know if I had him being All Big East first team candidate. Sule Boom's been that good. To me, Paul, there's two things with Xavier. Number one is defense. But number two is can they develop any sort of a bench, like on a consistent basis? Their, their bench has not been good enough. It's got to be better. Jerome Hunter's got to come on. I mean, he, he can't be here today, gone tomorrow. You know, you got to be an everyday guy. And I think right now Sean Miller's trying to find everyday guys.
0: John, I can't wait to have you back on the rebound rundown. And I think the people listening would feel the same way. This is the only time I'll ever run down for a rebound. <laughs> John, you're the best. Talk to you soon. Thanks, Paul. Appreciate you. You heard John talk about both Xavier and Georgetown in that segment, so I won't spend much time on this game, except to say that Xavier is an 11-point favorite at Capital One Arena. Tip is set for 6.30 p.m. on Fox Sports 1. Cincinnati is at home on Saturday at 2 p.m. against LaSalle, who is 220th in the country. The Explorers are 5-5 with their best win coming over Penn and losses to Villanova and Wake Forest, among others. The Explorers are a significantly better defensive team than offensive team, but they were picked 14th out of 15 teams in the Atlantic 10's preseason poll. You can watch this one on ESPN+. Dayton plays at UD Arena on Saturday night at 8 on CBS Sports Network and what they were hoping was going to be a premier home matchup against Wyoming. However, after Wyoming's stretch where they lost four in a row and five of six, combined with the injuries Dayton has suffered and the Flyers' lack of quality wins, a lot of the juice for this one has been lost. The Cowboys began the season ranked 64th, but have dropped all the way to 114th. The Flyers only have one more game after this one before A-10 play starts. Miami plays at Bellarmine at four on Saturday. Bellarmine plays a very disciplined style of basketball – the ball rarely hits the floor, there's constant motion in passing, and they just try to wear you down. The Knights opened their season with that one-point win over Louisville and have challenged themselves this year with games against UCLA, Kentucky, Clemson, and Duke, all of which they've lost. You can watch this Miami-Bellarman game on ESPN+. Wright State plays a game against NAIA school Northwestern Ohio on Saturday at three as the Raiders look to get back to five hundred. They sit with a record of five and six right now. Louisville plays by far the worst remaining team on their schedule this weekend as they welcome Florida AM to the Yum Center at two PM on Saturday. The Ramblers are two and six and are the fourth worst team in the entire country. The Cardinals are looking for their second win in a row after finally getting in the win column on Wednesday night against Western Kentucky. The best game of the weekend among the teams I cover here is in New York City where number 16 UCLA takes on number 13 Kentucky at Madison Square Garden on Saturday night at 515. UCLA is coming off an 87-60 statement win over Maryland and Kentucky has won four in a row. UCLA is ranked 4th on Ken Palm and still features Jaime Jaquez and Tiger Campbell, who you might remember from the Bruins' run to the Final Four in 2021. You can watch this marquee matchup on CBS. In the only area action on Sunday, Northern Kentucky plays a non-Division 1 opponent in Miami-Hamilton at 2 p.m. at Truist Arena as the Norse look for back-to-back wins. Around the country this weekend, I already mentioned the UCLA-Kentucky game, but Creighton plays at Marquette tonight at 8.30 following Xavier Georgetown. Then on Saturday, Gonzaga plays Alabama at 1. Indiana is at Kansas at 1. Houston plays a true road game at Virginia at 2. Ohio State plays North Carolina at Madison Square Garden at 3. And Tennessee plays at Arizona at 10.30 p.m. in Tucson. Then on Sunday, in an under-the-radar game to keep an eye on, Iona travels across the country to play at New Mexico at 6.30. Why do I bring that up? Because Iona head coach Rick Patino will be facing off against his son, Richard Patino the head coach of New Mexico. That'll do it for today's rebound rundown. Between all of these games, the Bengals taking on Tom Brady and the Bucks, college football bowl season firing up, and the World Cup finale – It's a pretty loaded weekend of sports. Enjoy it, and I'll talk to you on Monday.